The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. We're on attribute number 16. Uh, someone asked me one day, why, why, do you, why do you take time to study the attributes of God? Well, the answer is very simple. We are admonished to be Christ-like. We are admonished, even though, even though we will never attain to, 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 to be totally like God, we should strive to be like God in every way possible. So if we understand God's attributes, then that would help us to know how we ought to conduct our lives and how we ought to live. So these attributes are more than just uh, characteristics we're running through. They're, they're our pattern. They're, they're the recipe that God has given us so that we would glorify him in this life. So we should strive to live in these attributes. Today we're going to look at the 16th attribute of God that I find in scripture, and that is this, that God is faithful. God is faithful. Before I go any further, let's go ahead and and stop for a word of prayer. Our Father, thank you for your faithfulness, and thank you, Lord, for your word. Uh, It's from your word that we learn all of your attributes, and it's from your word that we find our pattern for life. So thank you for this time we have. Teach us today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God is faithful. That's something that that I personally have experienced and and personally learned. And I'm sure we all have. But uh, eight years ago, eight years ago, we we closed our school. Some of you might remember we had a Christian school here. Kindergarten, K-4 actually, all the way through 12th grade. We graduated a lot of young men and women who went on to, to serve the Lord and to, and, and to do things. Some of you here, matter of fact, were graduates of our school. In 2012, uh, we cl- I had to close this. Well, <clears throat> we had to shut down the, the high school end of that, of that school. We kept the elementary open for another year or two. Um, but due to finances, we had to close the, the, the high school. Uh, and so I suddenly found myself unemployed. And uh, I began to search for a job. And in the, in the meantime, I came here every day and, 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 and conducted the high school, uh, continued to do that for another year. And then uh, I had to, you know, finally, I had to get a job. And, and, and I took a job. And, and I, was not, I was not the happiest man in the world. I'm going to tell you that right now. I was pretty miserable. You can imagine going from... Going from serving the Lord every day, being, being in, in the ministry, working here in this place every day, and going into going back out into that, that wicked world and have to eke out a living out there. It wasn't very nice. But I have to say this, in the eight years that I, I haven't been employed here, uh, one thing has remained steady, and that is God's faithfulness. God has never failed uh, my wife or myself in all those years. And God is faithfulness. God's faithfulness begins with his self-loyalty. His loyalty to his laws. His loyalty to justice. His loyalty to righteousness. 
God's faithfulness begins with being faithful to himself. Now that may seem like a small thing, but you know, I've, I've seen a lot of people who, who, who their, their worst enemy is, they're their, their own worst enemy. You ever meet someone like that? They're not faithful to themselves. They're not faithful to their own principles. They're not faithful to their own integrity. But God is. And God's faithfulness extends not only to himself, but to his entire creation. I like to, I've said it before, I like to watch, I like to watch science programs. And you listen to these science, these scientists and these astronomers and astrologers and all of these things. And they all, they all predict doom all the time. And they talk about all these things. But God is so faithful to his creation, isn't he? You know, it's not, it's not happenstance that meteors don't strike us. It's God's will and God, it's God's design and God is faithful to protect us here on this earth. He's faithful to provide for us. He will not, indeed God cannot change his character. Nor can he fail to perform all that he has promised. That's very important to remember. God is faithful to perform all that he has promised he would do. In Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 9, we read, Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him, and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. In Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 22, we read, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not, they are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. We're going to, I think we're actually going to sing that song today. Great is thy faithfulness. And in that song, the, the songwriter wrote that God's compassions fail not. You know, I'm so thankful that God's faithfulness to me doesn't depend on my faithfulness to him. Now, as people, that's how we are, aren't we? We show favor to those that we like the most. And we might even mistreat those that we don't like. But that's not God. God is faithful. He's faithful to me. Regardless of whether or not I'm faithful to him. God is faithful to me. God made me certain promises in his word. And he's going to honor them. Regardless of whether I am faithful to him or not. Now that's not something we should, we should be thankful for. Because we, be, we should be faithful to God. But it's, it just shows God's, how far above us God's character is. God's faithfulness can be seen in many aspects. And I want to look at those with time this morning. The first one in letter A is God is faithful in keeping his promises. God is faithful in keeping his promises. Time simply wouldn't allow me to list all the promises that God has given to us. It would take me hours and looking at hundreds and hundreds of scriptures to see all the promises made to you and to me by God. Nor would time allow me to cite the many examples in the scriptures of God's faithfulness to fulfill his promises. We all know of his faithfulness. For he has been faithful to each of us here today. Ezekiel chapter 12 and verse 25. For I am the Lord. I will speak 
and the word that I shall speak shall come to pass. It shall be no more prolonged, for in your days, O rebellious house, will I say the word, and will perform it, saith the Lord God. All that I speak, he says, shall be done. Numbers chapter 23 and verse 19. God is not a man that he should lie. Boy, that says a lot right there. Neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? I like the conviction in that verse. God is not a man that he should lie. I've heard people tell me, I've never, I'd, I'd never lie. Well, that's a lie right there. Because I don't care who you are today, you've lied. And you've lied for your own purposes. God is faithful to keep his promises. He never lies. He never goes back on his word. The Bible says uh, that the callings of God are without repentance. And I, I've had people come up to me over the years. And uh, I had, we had one man in particular once. I won't mention his name. And if any of you know who I'm talking about by this reference, please realize I'm not being critical of a person. I'm just using an example. I had someone came to me one time and said, I've been called by God into the Christian education movement. I told him, I said, show me that. Show me where God calls men into the Christian school movement. And some years later, he quit. And so I asked him, I said, what happened to your calling, brother? Because God, God's calls are without repentance. And he couldn't answer me. All he could do is hang his head in shame. Because God, doesn't, God is faithful. If he calls us, he will perform it. And God is faithful to keep his promises. But what about us? Have you ever made a promise to God and then failed to keep that promise? Maybe in a moment of stress or a moment of, of, of pressure? Have you, ever, have you ever said, Lord, if you just bless me here and get me through this, Lord, I'm going to... Ooh, better watch out, because that's a promise. You just made God a promise. Are you faithful to keep it? Are you keeping it? If not, go back, repent, and keep it. The Bible says the Lord hath no pleasure in fools. And it's a foolish man who breaks a promise to the Lord. Better, not, better to not make a promise. Amen? Better to not make the promise, but just to live faithful to God. So God is faithful to keep his promises. Second, letter B. This one isn't so pleasant, but God is faithful in chastening his children. Chastening his children. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 6. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. And scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Now we have all heard it, haven't we? This is going to, when your parents discipline, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. I used to think, well, Dad, you know, we might be able to come to an arrangement then. 
Let's discuss this a little bit. You know, I'm, 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 really, I'm really so saddened today by the state and condition of young children. Um, it's really very sad. And it's because of a lack of discipline. Now, the world wants to shout and scream child abuse. Um, but, you know, God, God designed a, a special place on your body, very well padded, that's especially for discipline. And, uh, you know, I, I always talk about, and I, you've heard me talk about my dad and how strict and disciplined he was. But you see, and he was, but my dad rarely ever had to spank me because I knew that that dog bit. I knew that. He was not a dog without a, he was not a bark without a bite. That dog bit. And I learned to stay away from it. I also had the benefit of being the last of four children. And the other three warned me greatly. But that's why we're in the way we, that's why we're the way we are in this world today. It's a total lack of discipline. We do not discipline out of pleasure, but out of necessity. And that lack of discipline, by the way, is, it's, it's, it's making its way into every aspect of life. Education. Uh, I mean, I taught school for 17 years. It, it, it's got, it was getting to the point where you couldn't even control your class anymore. Uh, on the work, in the workplace. I've got 25 people that, that work under me and the lack of discipline and the lack of worth at work ethics in the younger people are really, really discouraging. The older, the older generations, they're fine. They come to work every day. They work hard. You don't have to, you don't have to watch over them. But these younger people today that are coming into the workforce, they want a paycheck, but they don't want to have to earn it. They don't want any responsibility. It's, it's, it's terrible. But we, we do not discipline out of pleasure. I never, when I spanked my children, and I did, I never did it out of pleasure. I did it out of necessity. We understand that the pain from the correction will keep the child from repeating the error. So why do we whine and complain when God disciplines us? And God does chastise his children. In Psalm 119 and verse 75, we read, I know, O Lord, that thy judgments are right, and that thou in faithfulness hast afflicted me. When God allows trouble to come into our life to teach us a lesson, we, under, we, we understand that God allowed that affliction into our life to teach us something, to show us a truth. I think about David and Shimei, King David and Shimei. I don't know if any of you are familiar with this story. It's found in 2 Samuel chapter 16, verses 5 through 10. We won't turn to it this morning, but you can look at it later. But David was leaving Jerusalem. And he was leaving Jerusalem because his son Absalom was coming to, to take, take over the city. And David did not want to have to confront his own son Absalom. 
So David took his, his people with him and he abandoned and he left. He was fleeing the city. And along the, along a hillside was a little scrawny man running along. His name was Shimei. And Shimei was casting stones at King David. And he was yell, shouting out, go up, thy bald head, go up, thy bald head. And what Shimei was basically saying is, why don't you die? Go ahead and die, King David. See, Shimei was of the family of Saul. And Shimei blamed David for Saul. So Shimei was out there cursing David, throwing stones at him. And David's general was standing next to him and he said, King David, do you want me to go up there and cut that dog's head off? And King David's response was this, leave him alone. It may be that the Lord sent him this day to curse me. See, David understood and realized everything he was facing in his life at that moment was because of his unfaithfulness. Because of his sin. Because of his failure to to live a godly life. And sometimes in our life we find ourselves afflicted. And we find ourselves in trouble. And instead of becoming bitter. And instead of blaming everything around us. We should just look inward. That's what King David was doing right there. King David was saying, this is my fault. All of this is because of me. Look at our nation today. It's not very pretty, is it? The turmoil that we see in our society. All of this is the result of forsaking godly principles. All of this is the result of ignoring God's Principles concerning correction and, and, and concerning discipline. It has taken hold. And now we have a generation that has no fear of God. They have no respect for life, no respect for other men. They have no fear of God. You can't even send your children to school anymore and, and be, feel relatively safe about it. Where I, where I work, we have, a, we have a security guards there all day long, armed security guards. And we have, a, we have an emergency lockdown situation for uh, an active shooter. It's one of our emergency plans. We have, that's how we have to live now. We have to live in our society where churches like this are a target. People in their workplace are not safe. How far does it have to go before people wake up and see that? And quit trying to blame everything else. It's our fault. It's our fault. And you know who's who's going to pay for it? The children, because they're going to grow up in a, in a nation that won't know the freedoms that you and I grew up in. Judges chapter two and verse 10, we read, and also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers. Now, this generation here 
are all of those that came through the flood. All of those who were in Egypt and, ex- and were in slavery and, the, and they came through the flood and they're into the, into the other land now. And all of a sudden we read, also all that generation were gathered under their fathers. And there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor the works which he had done for Israel. Look, turn to that. Turn to Judges chapter 2. I want you to see that. Judges chapter 2. In verse 10. This ought, to be a, this ought to be a verse that you memorize. One that you keep in your mind. As you conduct your life. As you raise your children. Make sure your children know about the Lord and know about his works among his people. Look at that verse carefully. It's a beautiful verse, but it's a tragic verse because it's being repeated in America right now. There's a generation dying in America, going on to be with the Lord And there's other generations after them that do not know the Lord and do not know of his great works. But let us remember, even though that's the case, the states today, let us remember there's still hope. There's still hope, folks. Psalms chapter 78, verses 6 through 8, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, that they, uh, works of God, but keep his commandments and might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. Yeah, there's still hope. There's hope because those of us in this room this morning, we can get our hearts right with God. We can repent. We can go home and start teaching our children and our grandchildren and start teaching those that we work with and those around us the truth of God. There's still hope. As long as the Holy Spirit dwells on, in our hearts on this earth, there's hope. Don't forsake it. Oh, but to do that, I might have to give up the things I like to do. Well, then give them up. Give them up. God is faithful in chastening his children. I got to go on. Number, number, letter C. God is faithful in forgiving our sins. First John 1 John 1.9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm very thankful for this one. I'm very thankful that God is faithful to forgive our sins. Once we've been cleansed by the blood of Christ, God is faithful to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from the stench of unrighteousness. Yet how often do we fail to forgive our brothers and sisters in Christ? I'm reminded of the story in Matthew chapter 18. We don't have time to turn to it. Of the unjust steward. How many of you remember that story? The unjust steward. His master gave him uh, money to, to, to hold in his absence. 
and all the other all the other servants that his money his master had did this when his master came back they brought back the money the master gave them plus the interest they had made plus the gains they had made for him in that in that in that money and when the, when when the lord came to the unjust steward the unjust steward uh uh, said, I, I, I held this and I kept it hidden so that nothing would happen to it. And the Lord was, un, was unhappy with that steward, that unjust steward. God is faithful to forgive our sins, but we go around through our, throughout our life holding grudges against others. Listen, now, I'm, I'm not saying people shouldn't face the consequences for their actions. We had a student here once who broke a, a very serious rule in the school, and I was going to have to suspend him. And he came to my office with his mother, and they sat in my office, and he, he gave me this long, pronounced uh, apology. And I, I said, I accept your apology. And I said, now you'll be out of school for one week. Oh, but I apologized. I still have to be suspended? His mother said, well, you're still going to suspend him? And I said, look, I forgive you for what you did, but you still have to face the consequences for it. And that's something we need to teach young people. Too, too often they get away with the consequences. We think it shows compassion not to make them pay the price. You're not showing them compassion. You're condemning them. You're, you're teaching them that it's okay to do what you want and then, and then get away with the consequences later. That's not, that's not the way it goes. And, and that's not the way we should, we should raise them. Forgiving sins. I've got to keep moving. You guys keep getting me off on this thing. Letter D. God is faithful in answering our prayers. Psalm 143 and verse 1. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplications. In thy faithfulness answer me, and in thy righteousness. God, is, God always answers prayers. He answers every prayer you pray. Every prayer you pray uh, appropriately. He answers every one. May not, maybe, maybe it's not his answer. Maybe is isn't yes. Maybe it's no. But he knows what's best for us. He knows what we can and cannot handle. And he gives us all that we need. Problem is, we want. And we, some of the things we want aren't appropriate. And God won't give them to us. I heard a preacher once say he needed a car, so he got down his knees and to, to do his work in the ministry, he got down on his knees and he prayed, and God gave him a car. It was somebody in the church had an, an older car that they weren't using, and they, they just walked in out of the blue and said, Pastor, we're not using this car, we want you to have it. And that preacher said, Well, man, he said, if I'd have known that that was actually going to happen, I would have prayed for a new car. And you know, the Bible just says, open thy, wife, open thy mouth wide that I may fill it. So pray big. Pray big. We have a big God. 
Now make sure what you're praying for is, is a good thing to have and, and will glorify the Father. But pray big. Shoot, shoot for a higher mark. Answering prayers. Uh, oh, I tell you, God is so faithful to answer prayers. And he's, he's faithful to give us those things that we need. I could stand here and I could stand here and tell you stories for for hours in in my my in my uh, Christian life of the, of the things that God has has done for us. My wife and I we are so blessed, and God answers prayers. Uh, next, letter E. God is faithful in keeping us saved. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Who shall also confirm you unto the end that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 3. But the Lord is faithful who shall establish you and keep you from evil. Uh, let me ask you a question. Can we lose our salvation? Not if you really have it. Very good. Does the believer have security today? Absolutely. But to answer this question, we must first determine how the believer obtains salvation. How do we obtain eternal life? Is it by the action of God or the action of man or both? In Colossians chapter 2 and verse 13 we read, And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, you hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Notice Paul stated that we were dead in our sins. Sin has brought death upon us in a moral sense. And we are dead to the understanding of what is good. Like dead men, we are insensible of our state, our sin, our misery, and altogether inactive and helpless in spiritual things. Now, we understand what it means to be dead. And when we are dead, we can't do anything to change our state. Right? If, if, I, if I lay here and I'm dead, I, I, I'm helpless to do anything. I can't, I can't get up and do anything. If I'm dead, something else, some other power has to act upon me in order to bring life back into my dead body. And that is the Holy Spirit. God has quickened us. He's made us alive. Also, like dead men, we cannot be enlightened. You can, you can talk to a, a, a dead man, but he doesn't hear what you're saying. You can, you can show him the gospel after he's dead. It won't do him a bit of good unless something acts upon him. This life that we see, this eternal life, was implanted 
in us. Grace, as a living principle, was wrought in our souls by the spirit of life from Christ. So that we could see our lost state. So that we could see our need of Christ. So that we could hear the gospel. We could speak the language of Canaan. We could breathe in prayer and spiritual desires. We could walk in Christ and do all the things through him. And this was God's act upon us and not our own. And by his rich mercy and great love, he imparted it unto us. So now that we understand how we are saved, we can address the question, can we lose our salvation? 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If I am to claim to believe in the sovereignty of God, then I must believe that he is sovereign in this matter of salvation as well. I mean, there, there are some that run around and say, yeah, I know God is supreme and he's over all things, but not your salvation. That, that totally depends on you. Well, that doesn't make any sense. That's ludicrous. If God is sovereign and he is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance, according to the verse we just read, then why do most perish? And why will most not have eternal life? See, some people want to misapply 2 Peter 3.9. You have to look at the context of the verse. It's, he is speaking to saved people. He is not speaking to unsaved men. This verse then must imply that all whom God has chosen will come to repentance. None of them shall be lost. It is not carte blanche to the world. It's a promise to the elect. As we studied previously, God is inscrutable. He is beyond scrutiny. He cannot be questioned or second-guessed, and he does not answer to us. Neither our cooperation nor our understanding is necessary to the fulfillment of the will of God. We must simply accept his sovereignty and accept his will without question or without rebellion. And we must teach the whole counsel of God without partiality or favoritism. We must not compromise teaching the doctrines of, of, of grace. The reason we cannot lose our salvation is because we had nothing to do with it to begin with. We had nothing to do with gaining it. We were chosen, called by God. It is by his will and his grace that we are saved. And it is by his will and his grace that we remain saved. Yes, God is faithful to keep, keep us saved because it is his will for me to remain saved. God is faithful, folks. What about us? We need to live our lives faithful to God. All right, that's all the time we have. Thank you for being here this morning, and you are dismissed. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronan Park, California, 94928. Additionally, 
you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.